Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast. This is the On the Spot series by China Forum. In this series, we return to the platform of international forums and webinars, where leading minds in academia, government, business, technology, and media deliver novel, collaborative responses to the global issues of the day. Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast series on the spot. I'm Han Hua. China has been playing a tremendous role in global trade. Given its different political and economic system, however, the country has faced relentless acquisitions from the United States and its Western allies. One familiar piece of rhetoric is that China practices state capitalism. Is it true that Chinese enterprises merely thrive under government support? Dr. Gong Jun, a China Forum expert and professor of economics at the University of International Business and Economics, refutes the assumption that China's trade success is solely because of government policies. Let's allow the facts to speak for themselves, and please stay tuned. I was asked to talk about China today and trends to watch for the future. To be an economist, I'm going to talk from an economic perspective. There have been a fair amount of studies, forecasts, and prophecies for China's future economic picture. In terms of China's impact on the rest of the world, probably a more pertinent subject would be about China's role or position in global trade and capital flows. Given China's tremendous role in global trade, but it was a quite different political and economic system. Is this still reconcilable with the rules-based international community, consisting of many more countries that have quite different political and economic systems? Today, the United States appears to be starting a competition with China by trying to form a ideology-based or value-based alliance against China. It claims that China's economic system is a so-called state-state capitalism. And many politicians in the West accuse China of being engaged in distortionary or mercantilist trade practices, fundamentally because of that economic system, a political system. First, I categorically reject the notion that China's trade success is solely because of government policies. Washington's acquisitions against China basically fall into three categories. One is related to industrial policy for things like state aid. Subsidies, preferential treatment of state-owned enterprises. Another one is related to macroeconomic policies, or things like currency manipulation, domestic market access, and, and these things. The third is related to intellectual property right protection, or things like alleged IPR theft, forced technology transfer, lax IPR protection in China, and etc. So I want to say that no country, no company can rise to commercial and technological high ground just because of government policies. I've visited many private companies in China that have ex- have excelled because of their own inherent reasons. Every success story is different, and I can use a whole day to talk about China's home market advantages that have nothing to do with government policies. But I will try to be brief. For example, large production volumes facilitate repeated production cycles. They encourage standardization and automation. Avoiding waste and helping raise productivity. Dense industry clusters provide direct access to networks of specialized suppliers. Labor and demand, as well as extensive knowledge spillovers across firms between firms and local academic and research institutions. High quality infrastructure and proximity to population centers facilitate hiring, procurement, and logistics activities. 
Factor input prices uh, and labor costs are relatively low. Intense competition results in uh, very competitive global firms. For example, I've seen some studies saying today's photovoltaic industry dominance by Chinese companies have resulted in many bankruptcies in Europe and North America. But these authors probably didn't count the event that even larger number of Chinese companies that have gone belly up the last twenty、uh, some years. The notion of competition, in my view, is totally different in China, to say the least. So when folks in the United States talk about competition, they probably have in mind, you know, four or five companies, or maybe up to ten companies competing on the market. In China, the most intensely competitive industries have players in three-digit numbers. And let me give you an example: the number of automakers in China, for example, is a three-digit number. President Biden recently talked about competition with China on electric cars. Well, every single one of the hundred automakers in China has an electric car development program in the making. And in addition, there are at least thirty some new startup companies. In addition, with flat funding from the internet companies, you know, Baidu is making cars, Alibaba is investing in making cars, Tencent is investing in making cars, and that's called competition in China. I predict sooner or later there will be winners and losers among these hundred thirty some companies. And the surviving ones, I guarantee you, will be fiercely, fiercely competitive, and they will be global as well, and they will be exporting electric cars all over the world. And how do you explain all of these things? Just by government policies. Now let's come back to the most important question here: of the three categories of acquisitions lobbed against China, I won't touch upon IPR issues. I think the situation is indeed improving, and there got to be some agreement between China and the United States government about online hacking. Also, I won't touch upon macro policies because the currency manipulation issue, in my view, is a total hoax、uh, in recent years, and China is indeed opening up. Drive is deepening. I will spend the rest of the time to talk about industrial policy, state and SOE issue, whether these things constitute an irreconcilable hurdle between China's unique economic and political system and the WTO, both in substance and in spirit. If you delve into these issues, it is pretty clear they have nothing to do with ideology. Nothing to do with a unique political system, economic system, and all of these things can be addressed through bilateral and multilateral negotiations. Industrial policy, for example, is actually being copied right now, in my view, by the United States. President Biden's two trillion infrastructure plus plan smacks every bit of a whole of a nation industrial policy. State aid is conducted by most major powers, central government and regional governments, in terms of、uh, extracting direct investment. The decade-long litigations between the U.S. and the European Union over Boeing and Airbus airplanes immediately come to mind. WTO does have a treaty, albeit a weak treaty, in my view, to regulate subsidies, state aid. So this is an issue that has hope to be resolved in future WTO reforms or through bilateral negotiations. The SOE issue is probably more directly relevant to China's unique political and economic system, but this is not a unique phenomenon in China. Europe has many SOEs, and again,、uh, we have a framework to regulate the SOE issue via the Free Trade Agreement Manual. OECD has spent many years to come up with a regulatory framework to deal with SOEs. The CPTPP has pretty much incorporated this framework to deal with SOEs. I myself have participated in studies of gap analysis of the Chinese government to understand how China can be on the path of meeting the competitive neutrality principle embedded in the CPTPP. The Chinese government has openly committed to joining the CPTPP, and as a corollary, 
committed to the competitive neutrality principle as well. So in summary, I want to convey the message that there is nothing inherently uh, contradictory between China's political and economic system with the WTO. And all the issues raised so far pertaining to so-called distortionary this is true or not, can be potentially addressed through bilateral and multilateral negotiations. So from that perspective, the world's largest trading nation is no more different from other WTO members and therefore should not be treated as different from other WTO members. Well, that was Dr. Gong Zhong sharing his views during the webinar, China Today and Tomorrow. It was jointly organized in late May 2021 by the Digital Foundation, China Forum, and Academy of Contemporary China and World Studies. Thank you for listening.